This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers, so make sure you check it out today. See if it's a good fit for you. I know that it is. I've had so many people contacting me after they've uh, acquired one, <clears throat> uh, saw them at tournaments, saw them at baseball games, uh, had heard about them on this show and were intrigued. Uh, they're making a difference in kids' lives all over the place. Uh, my son has been using one in his regimen. Um, it, admittedly, he's had arm issues in the past from just some poor throwing mechanics. Um, he's worked really hard at that and incorporated the rope trainer now into his routine. Uh, his arm feels the best it's ever felt, and I'm a firm believer. Uh, again, I appreciate them being a part of the show, but the reality of it is it's a quality product that can help you. And if, uh, if you take the time to really check it out, uh, don't just, you know, it's not just something, just buy it and throw it in your bag. Take the time. Uh, whether it's through this show with the rope report that we now bring to you each and every week, thanks to our friends Kurt McNabb and the gang at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and of course uh, Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, and John Smoltz, and everybody at the Rope uh, Trainer, making sure that uh, whether it's through this show or through their own website, ropetrainer.com, theropetrainer.com, any way, shape, or form, Google it, YouTube, find this great information. That's what we live in a day and age of you being able to find the information that you need and use it to the best of your ability. It's out here. We're making sure that you can find it each and every week. Utilize it. It will help. I promise you. It is something you definitely need to check into. That's the ropetrainer.com. Um, again, as I as I say, uh, it, 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 I, I do appreciate all the people that help make this show possible. You know, the Rope Trainer, EliteBaseball.tv, Blast Motion, Rick Strickland Baseball, all the people that believe in this show and, and are a part of it. But at the end of the day, we go through a painstaking process to really believe in the products uh, that we're associated with. Um, it'd be really hard for me to sit on here and have a sponsor with something that I just don't believe in. Um, I've admittedly said that that has happened here in the past, and I had assured everybody that it just wouldn't happen again. So um, at the end of the day, uh, I encourage you highly to check out theropetrainer.com. It is something that will help your son or daughter. And again, I say that because... Heavily, heavily involved in the softball market now as well. Um, Again, it's just a quality product. Excited about this week's show. I am uh, flying solo today as uh, efforting to get uh, my partner in crime, Spiker, in here next week. And we'll record our typical, like we do, two, three, four shows uh, when when we can get together. Summertime's hard for both of us. Um, My son uh, just went on a pretty amazing run with his high school baseball team. Uh, and Spiker's in full swing with his summer program. So we're efforting a day where we can get together and record our three or four shows as I really enjoy doing them with him. I find him to be a really great uh, influencer, a great sounding board, somebody that has a great perspective on the game of baseball, not to mention what he offers both from an instructional standpoint and just a pure love and joy for the game. So, again, I love doing the shows with Spiker, but this week um, I have to fly one solo. So I thought it would be a good time to uh, talk a little bit about, um, I'm not going to call it a quarter poll, but I guess it kind of, it might even be a halfway poll, but as many of you know, uh, my kids are at the age now where this was my first year that I did not coach. 
Uh, I am now, like a lot of you out there listening to this show, I'm just a parent. Um, I always say, you know, my favorite term is I'm a parent that knows enough about baseball to be dangerous. So um, it's been an interesting, uh, I'm going to say, with this whole thing for me as a parent, you know, it's been going on maybe since March. So March, April, May, June, would you know, three, four months, you know, if you include a little bit more in the off season of just sitting back and watching while also being able to go do stuff alone with my own kid, which I've enjoyed very much. So I thought maybe I'd give some observations on some things that I've seen and maybe just throw out a little bit of advice that you can take. You can throw in the trash. You can do whatever you want with it. But again, some advice from a guy that's been on the other side of the fence and who's not ashamed to admit how I feel sitting in the stands as well. And I'm going to be as honest with you as I can be because I think that's the only way you can um, have the respect of people giving, you know, that when you're giving advice, if the people out there think that you're full of crap or it's real easy, you know, that whole thing, well, it's real easy for you to say that because, you know, you're this or you're that. So I'm going to be as honest as I can be with you in an effort to show you that I'm trying to be very um, open very realistic about the situation as I understand that it's not always perfect. So before we do that, I want to remind everybody to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. That's our website. It's also where you can subscribe to the show. That way you just get a quick notification every time we put one out. It's completely e- it's completely free. It's absolutely easy to do. Um, you'll just click subscribe to the podcast. It'll walk you through it. It takes like 30 seconds. Pretty easy to do. And again, you can also uh, find the newest show and then all the back shows. I mean, we're you know, we're, we're, we're two-plus years into this. We've done so many shows. I say all the time that I'm extremely humbled that I feel a little bit like my show's on Netflix each week as the download numbers continue to increase. And that's, again, I say this. This is a complete tribute to you, the listeners, as you guys sharing the show with your friends is what has helped us grow. But what I love and makes me feel really good is it's not just my current show that gets all the downloads. Uh, I mean, I literally, half my downloads every week are from back episodes, some of them as far back as the very first one I ever did. So it tells me that people are finding the show and they're enjoying it enough to listen to the back episodes. And again, it's not me. I've had some amazing guests on here, and they are extremely knowledgeable and extremely influential within the game of baseball. So I encourage you to take the time. I really enjoyed some of the back and forth I've had with people on social media. Um, that be at Podcast Baseballs, where you'll find us on Twitter. Type in Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook. All we, you know, ask there is for you to like us, follow us, and uh, you know, if in if you feel so, share our stuff around, just in an effort to reach all the great people involved within the game of youth baseball. The shows when they come out through the social media, if you could share those, that would really help us, um, and we do greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's very, uh, it's very encouraging to see people wanting to get involved that way. Uh, again, it's a, it's been a journey, and it's been interesting sharing this information and listening back to some of the shows and realizing both how um, how smart I could be one day and maybe how dumb I could be the next. So I think sometimes you have to be uh, somewhat realistic within this crazy, crazy game that we love so much. Um, as I get into this this week, though, I, I cannot – I just – thinking back to the very beginning, as I say that I cannot thank the guys at lineupmedia.fm enough – the company has grown, you know, whether it was Ignotainment at the very beginning to what it is now at lineupmedia.fm. They are the fastest-growing podcast network on the planet. If you are a podcaster, and you probably are as you have found this show, uh, the stats tell us that you're going to find other podcasts that, that you're intrigued by. And I assure you, if you give lineupmedia.fm an opportunity, they are going to 
they're going to provide you with some shows that you're really going to like. Uh, my friend Pete Caliendo does a show similar to this one with a little bit different content. I would encourage you to check him out. And again, if you're a sports fan, there's all kinds of them on there as well. Um, like I said, check them out. Lineupmedia.fm. I think you're really going to enjoy what you see. They take your entertainment time extremely serious. All right, so as I get into today's show, um, one of the things that I want everybody to understand is, as you know, I, I was looking forward to moving from coach to parent, not because I didn't enjoy coaching anymore. Um, I, I, without question feel that if you're if you're the guy that's done coaching okay then you should be done it's hard to do it and do it right if your heart's not in it anymore right we talk about why people coach sometimes um we talk about daddy ball things like that and we see it every day guys that you do not have to be a rocket scientist to watch 15 minutes of a baseball game and know if a coach is doing it purely to ensure that his son is taken care of. Now, I have been honest and said this for many, many years. I mean, there's a lot of guys that coach because they don't feel that anybody else can do it better or they feel like they have something to offer while at the same time doing it that way they can ensure that their son is in a good situation. I actually would say that I felt that way a little bit about my own son. Now, there's also a difference between that and doing it for your son in an effort to say, yeah, he's going to play shortstop, lead off, and be our number one pitcher regardless of who else I have or how he does. So those are two completely different things. So never, ever underestimate the fact that all coaches to some degree are somewhat selfish and doing it for a variety of reasons, but their son being a big part of it. You have to ask yourself this, and I love the game of baseball. I think everybody knows that. There's no doubt about it. I love it. And if I was a rich man and I didn't have any kids playing anymore and I, I had the, the, the lifestyle that would afford this, I would coach for free and coach other kids when my kids were grown. But the reality of it is I'm not in a situation right now as much as I love the game and as much as I think I have to offer to youth players to just go out and coach a bunch of kids and miss all my kids' stuff. That's not realistic. So people that act like there's something wrong with that, you need to stop now because it's not. It's never going to go away. Now, if you want to go to an organization, and I'm sure they have them even at a young age now as it continues to grow, where they have paid coaches, I, I actually have no problem with that. A lot of people have a problem with that. I have zero problem with that. Because let me tell you another thing I have zero problem with. I have zero problem with anybody doing what they want to do. You have to do what you want to do. I've always said this isn't a one-person decision. This is a family decision. You need to ask yourself before you get heavily involved in the game of youth baseball, and I'm not talking about the rec league where you show up for one practice a week and one game a week. I'm talking about if you decide to make baseball something that your kid is passionate about, and that would be the terms that are thrown around like travel ball, select ball, uh, whatever you guys want to call it. But you know what I'm talking about. If you're going to do that, you better make sure, A, that the kid really wants to do this. And when doing it, ask yourself, does he want to do it enough that if things aren't going so well, he still, he still loves the game? And we are still okay with the game. Because things are not always going to go well. I assure you of that. That is the game of baseball. I say it is the cruelest game there is. <clears throat> I just watched how cruel it can be. I also watched how great it can be. Within a 24-hour period... I saw how great the game is and how cruel it can be in a 24-hour period. 
And yet all those kids are still fine today, and they're all going to be great kids with great men. Well, I, I guess I can't assure you they're going to be great kids, but I think they're great kids. But they're all going to have unbelievable memories that hopefully the experience is going to make them better kids. How about that? That's I think that's better better said. Um, so make sure you're ready for all that, right? And it's a family decision because you're going to give up a lot of family time to revolve your life around baseball. Believe me, I could bring my wife in here and she can tell you all about it, okay? Because I think when you're the coach, you don't think a lot about all that's not going on because of what you're doing because you are worried about the other stuff, right? So as you do all this and you decide how it's going to work out for you, you, you got to think about these things. Now, as you get through all this and, and you get to a point in your life where I was and you say, okay, and I thought for many years, man, it'd be nice sometimes to pull up a chair and just watch. And I was blessed to have guys around me that I really felt like if I ever did that, the kids would be in great hands. You know, it, it's, it's not, it wasn't an issue for us. Uh, unfortunately, it is an issue for other people. But for me personally, as my older son, uh, as you, if you've been following along, we talked about their great state title run. Uh, he's a senior. Well, now he's graduated. He'll be going to Illinois College to play baseball in the fall. Right now he's playing Legion Baseball and having a great time. Um, they have a great club, and they'll vie for a state title, I would assume, as Legion Ball's you know, kind of a rite of passage, and they have the national tournament, and it's a, it's a very – honorable thing. So I'm excited to see how this goes, because typically if your high school team in the area does really well in the state tournament, it tends to lend itself to you're going to do well in the Legion tournaments as well. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And I love going to those games and just being a baseball fan, because, you know, while he's still my son and I love him and I try to help him, you know, he's becoming his own man. And there's other guys out there that are that are charged with helping him. So, you know, I've watched a couple of these games and, and it's been really full circle to watch him become a young man and take care of himself and learn how to handle taking care of himself. Is that all a product of the, the way that I raised him and the way that I, uh, his own, you know, he's my stepson, the way that I raised him, the way his own father helped raise him, the way his mother, the way his stepmother have raised him. Um, yeah, he's a lucky kid. I mean, we have a very nice situation. I, you know, I don't want to say we're the poster poster people for how to, how to have a, dual family relationship, but you better put your kids first. I can name a whole lot of them. You know, unfortunately, we see a lot that have no business being in the conversation, but there's a lot of great people out there that do it right. So as I watch him do these things, I think back to the things that I did. And while I think I made a ton of mistakes, I realized that I had to have done some things right as well. If I flash down to my younger son, who's just one year removed from it and just finishing his freshman year of high school baseball, and now he's Full depth playing for, as you hear each each and every week here, you hear the Ask Rick segment from the St. Louis Pirates, Rick Strickland. Rick's a tremendous baseball guy. He's an unbelievable hitting guy. Um, you know, a guy that uh, many, many kids in our area have benefited from and went on to, to big-time colleges and professional contracts and big league players and, you know, the big league players, minor league players, all, tro- all in here in the wintertime working with Rick to the point where now he works for the St. Louis Cardinals 74 days a year. Um, you know, he's a tremendous guy, and, and to have him available to my son has been an excellent thing. Uh, to see my son play for the St. Louis Pirates and, and play, you know, once you get to that 15U, 16U, 17U level, they go play, you know, real real baseball. I mean, this is no joke. I mean, 
you know, you're showing up 15, you and kids are throwing 85 with nasty breaking pitches and wouldn't, you're playing with wooden bats. It's, it's big boy baseball played by some kids that aren't very big boy yet. If you, if you know what I mean, some of you guys out there that have them, but I got to tell you, um, I'm, I'm two tournaments into this thing. And while a lot of it's what I expected, I'm seeing some things in the stands and I'm feeling some things in the stands that are making me go, wow, this is going to be an interesting few years for me. And I, and I hope to be, A, I hope to see better things from people, but I also hope to be better myself. And I'll start with myself. So, you know, the, the first tournament was two weekends ago. And I sat up in the stands, and um, I felt weird. Like, a lot of eyes were on me. Like, I think people come and watch me, and then when I'm really quiet, they're really surprised because I'm a vocal coach. I like to talk to my players. I like to pull them aside uh, when I've coached them in the past. I try not to, although I'm human. I try not to coach a lot while the game is actually happening, although I was very bad at it with the hitters, and I needed to be better at it, and I tried to. And I think I was better my last couple years, but – I used to try to get in the box with them, basically, from the third base coach's box and help them through everything. And through some help with a friend, realize that you can't do that. You know, you got to let them get in there and do their thing. And if they're struggling, then you got to work on it away from the game. Um, but anyway, as I got better with that, you know, I wish I would have been better at it years before that. But I, you know, what are you going to do now? So, you know, again, I was a teacher. I tried to teach the game, and a lot of people, I think, really enjoyed that about me as, as I coached their kids. So some of these people that had seen me coach or I had coached had a lot of eyes on me and watched as I just sat off to the side and didn't say a word. And I felt like I almost had a a, um, a responsibility to be a good parent in the stands because I knew people were watching me. And that's kind of an odd feeling, to be completely honest with you, because I don't consider myself some great baseball guy who did a ton – within the, the game, especially in a prof, you know professional or even a top college setting. But because of how much I did with youth baseball, I think a lot of people were watching me. And so I took that serious and made sure that I tried to adhere to the th- standards that I try to set through this own, own show. So, um, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. But what was odd was I saw some things going on in the stands. And one of them that is a big thing for me when I was a coach – and I see it going on in a situation like this, and I just shake my head and go, man, this has got to stop. And so, folks, I'm going to tell you, this is, a, this is something that's got to stop. And, you, you know, you guys are going to maybe be a little confused by this at the, at, at the first time I say it, but the coaching from the stands has got to stop. Um, and some of you are going to go, well, what are you talking about? I, how am I coaching from the stands? What, what are you saying? I watched no less than three parents from the stands do everything they could to make eye contact, and you know what I'm talking about, with their son while he's in the field or coming out of the dugout to bat or walking off the field so that they could, quote-unquote, give them some instruction. And I'm talking about instruction everywhere from get your elbow up to watch that curveball to you need to play deeper to why are you playing so far up the middle, throw the baseball, let's go throw strikes, um, quit trying to throw so hard. You know, you name it, it was said. Okay? Now, I didn't say you couldn't sit up in the stands and cheer the game on, right? Right? I never said that. But we can't sit up in the stands and coach our kids. You can't do it. 
There needs to be one voice, and it needs to come from the coach. And I say this, and I will say it again. If you don't like that coach and don't think he's doing a good enough job, then go somewhere else. But you cannot coach in the stands. If I was going to write up a a thing on this and, and give it to people in an organization, my exact statement on this would be, if you have ever said to yourself, they're not going to tell me I can't coach my own kid, then you need to go somewhere else. If you're that guy and you're out there and you know who you are. If you're listening to this right now going, well, you can stick it because that's my kid. You're not going to tell me what I can or can't do. I would say you're absolutely right. I'm never going to tell you what you can or can't do with your kid. But while he's on this field, you're not going to coach him. And if he's going to make eye contact with you and you guys are going to communicate during games, it's very simple. He can sit on the bench or you can take him somewhere else. Because I got to tell you, folks, you're going to get nowhere fast doing that. Okay? I I want you to ask yourself this question. If you're also saying to yourself, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Mr. Jim, but, uh, you know, I played Division I college baseball and got a cup of coffee with the Texas Rangers. I think I know a little bit more than that 22-year-old kid coaching my team in the dugout. Okay? So back off. I would say, okay, you are probably right. So my question to you is, if you don't entrust the guy in the dugout to do it, then why are you there? I guarantee you there's other options. So go get happy. What do I always say? Go get happy. But I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating. And here's the real thing. Here's the real thing. Let's just imagine that that is the scenario, and you are that guy. Cup of coffee, great. And you may be the greatest baseball coach around, okay? Even if that's the case, you're still not doing your kid any favors. If you truly are that good a coach and you truly had your cup of coffee and you truly are a great baseball mind, then you know you can't play the game that way. You can't play that game. You cannot play this game with somebody looking over your shoulder, especially dad. Okay. You can't play scared. You can't play always wondering. You have to figure it out. You got to go out and take care of stuff. Okay. So that's, that is the number one thing I saw the first weekend that shocked me that I was still seeing at this age. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Second thing that I saw that really, like, mm, this was a tough one, too, because I kind of understand it. When you get into this scenario, and it happens a lot at freshman baseball, chances are if you're going to play like this, you're going to sit the bench. And let me tell you, parents are not prepared for that. I've said before that I understand why they're not prepared. They're not prepared because up until they got to high school, they probably played on a team with 10 players and they played every game. Well, guess what? That's all over. So get yourself used to the idea of driving an hour for a baseball game, whipping out your lawn chair, getting your nachos, getting a, getting a beverage, and watching nine other kids play baseball while your kid sits the bench. Get prepared for it because it's going to happen. Let me say it again. You are going to drive an hour. In some cases, you're going to drive five hours. Get a hotel. Yeah, let's do this. You're going to drive five hours. You're going to get a hotel room for three nights. And you're going to watch somebody else's kid play baseball. It's going to happen. Prepare yourself for it. It will happen. I promise you. Um, you know, now, am I saying it's a good scenario for you to go out of town and watch somebody else play five games and your kid never play? Absolutely not. 
no, that's not helping your son. That situation needs to be addressed because there's an issue. And if the issue is we don't think your son's a player, well, then you need to know that. Then you need to know that. But if the situation is, well, here's how we do it, and you don't like the way they do it, then by all means, you are now a consumer. That would fall into the go-get-happy thing, and sometimes it's not a bad thing. I've always said that if my son wasn't good enough to play at this level, I know I'm not a dummy. See, there's the other thing, too. Don't be a dummy, okay? I know who my son is and what he is. I'm not. It doesn't do me any good to believe in my heart that he's something he's not. So if, in fact, I have some suspicions and they're confirmed by how it works, then I need to go make a good decision for him because I'm still his dad. I'm still his parent. Now, I'm not here to, 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 to clean up all his messes. I'm not here to, um, to make all his decisions. A, a good friend of mine told me one time, my job's not really to protect my son. My job, my job is to teach him how to protect himself and how to make good decisions, how to understand, how to read things. That's really what I feel like my job is because he's right. We're not always there. I've always said that, you know, this is going to sound really harsh, but I've said this a thousand times over. My hope in life is that my son's first major decision is not whether or not to try drugs. I've always said that. I want, I want you to think about that for a second. Do we let our kids make enough decisions, small ones, in scenarios like sports, so that we can decide for ourselves if we feel like they make good decisions? And I assure you, they're going to screw up. They're going to make mistakes. Wouldn't you rather have it be on a baseball field or a soccer field or a football field? I would. Wouldn't you rather analyze it that way? Maybe with a little help from some people? I think it would go a long way, in my opinion. But this is one of those things that, as a parent, you have got to be the example. And, you know, I hate to say it, and I'm, again, I, I am in no way, shape, or form saying I'm the model, I did this, I did this. But I take very seriously the fact that I'm also not stupid. And I know there's a lot of people watching me because of my affiliation with the Pirates and my kid being there, and I do the show, and I'm an admitted dummy sometimes. And, and I, I try to tell people, you know, listen, do as I say, not as I do, you know, that kind of stuff. So sure enough, my son played the first two games, and he actually played very well. I was very proud of him with, with his effort. Um, and, you know, I rolled up to the third game the next day, and – I know. I also know how this works. I could tell he wasn't in the lineup. I know how it works. Once you figure out how they go out and do their warmups and in what order they go in, you know you know who the starters are. And I knew. I promptly, instead of and and this happens, instead of standing in the back away from everybody because you're too mad to be around people, okay, I put my chair right up front with everybody else, watch the game, and cheered and it and and watched it as I would if my son was playing in an effort to try to be an example not that that's even my job now what I will tell you is is on the way home I did have a conversation with my son and I said as your dad and as a guy that knows enough to be dangerous I really paid attention to how you conducted yourself because this is the first time you sat the bench in a long long time my friend so I wanted to see how you handled it and I told him I said I thought you did okay you know, some of the things, and we had talked about it a little bit beforehand because I wanted him to know that this was different. And we talked about it when he was in high school. Although he was a starter, 
there were some games that they played where they were quote-unquote B games. And we talked a little bit about your role when you're on the bench. You don't just sit up on the, you know, the normal stuff that you would have a conversation with. So I did have a conversation with it, and I said, you know what? I think you, you, you did some things well, but I also think you were goofing around a little bit on the bench. I'm not quite sure this is the arena for that. So we had a, a, an adult conversation about do's and don'ts. But I wasn't going to go down to the dugout during the game and say, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So, again, those are the two things that stuck out to me the most. Um, because, again, and it, I can only go by my own personal situation. Like I said, I look at my son, who's a senior, getting ready to go to college, and I'm proud of who he is and who he's become. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he is what he is as a baseball player. He's a fine player, okay? He was a depth guy on a really good team. My hope is he'll go up there and make his own, own way and, and become a go-to guy, and that's for him. But watching how he goes about doing what he does, I realize that it's probably harsh for me to say he doesn't need me anymore because you wonder, you know, you would say there's a part of the baseball thing where you would say, did he ever really need me? But they do. They need us. And what I mean by that is whatever your role is in this, if it's as coach or parent, they need you. And what they need you to do is to do the right thing, even if it's hard to do. And the reason I say that is, and this is where the honesty comes in, I found myself last week, that weekend, wanting to coach my son from the stands. I watched him play shortstop, and and I watched him play in the hole when a guy was clearly laid on his swing from the right side of the plate. And I'm sitting there wanting to go, why are you not picking up on this? And I wanted to give him the little move over from the stands, and I didn't do it. You know, I watched him get a base hit his first at bat, and then his second at bat, I watched the guy work him inside, and I wanted to say, make an adjustment, but I didn't do it. You know, I wanted to tell him to tie his shoes from the stands, and I didn't do it. It's hard. It's really hard because we feel like we're, I say it all the time, I don't think people like me or you do it, the majority now, I don't think we do it to be ignorant. I think we do it because we think we're helping. And while we may actually immediately help them, I don't know that we're helping them in the long term. And those are really my first observations. Not too bad. I mean, again, um, you know, <laughs> ignorant parent stuff will rear its ugly head as it always does. All you got to do is Google it. On, and, you, you know, thanks to Google, we'll find some ignorant stuff that goes on at Ball Diamonds all over the country. But those were my observations from my own setting the first weekend. Um, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. And I encourage all parents to uh, find that joy and that enjoyment while, you know, maintaining your own level of, hey, I'm here to help you as well, as much as I should or can. But at the end of the day, I've entrusted you to these people, and I'm going to honor that trust. Okay? And teach them. I, you know, I, I, my son had a question about something, and my exact answer to him was, you need to ask the coach. I'm not asking him. He doesn't want to hear from me. He wants to hear from you. And to both my son's credit, they've, they've realized this over time. My older son really was awful at it at the beginning, and now he's very good at it. Things that I, he's asked me for advice on that I thought I would tell him, you need to go talk to this person. And he willingly said, thanks, absolutely, as opposed to the little kid that used to say, I don't want to ask him that. If that, and we've all looked at our kid and they've said that. I'm not asking him that, right? 
So again, these are all parts of the maturation process that I think we can be a positive influence on if we find it within ourselves to do the right thing. And I assure you, I am no different than you. Doing the right thing is not always easy. And we are not going to always do the right thing. We're no different than anybody else. We are human. We are going to make mistakes. And we need to learn from them no different than we ask our kids to learn on the baseball field. So, again, just a couple observations that I had, and I, I hope you enjoy them. And like I said, I, uh, this was a, an opportunity for me to just share a few things that I saw that I found interesting. Um, and whether, whether you want to use the term interesting or awful or okay, what, uh, however you want to describe it, that's really kind of how I felt. So, again, hope you enjoyed those. And I'll be doing those from time to time as, again, my perspective uh, while I enjoy coaching, and I don't know that I'm completely done with it. I think someday I'll get back into it, and and we'll always try to help a little bit. But you know, running the show and doing all that, those days are are over for me at the current time, and I'm gonna fill that parent role. Um, but I love it enough to be around some really great people, so I'm still kind of that sponge. So uh, again, hope to share a lot of that great stuff with you. Uh, one of the things that uh, my son and I, the old, my older son, uh, as he pitched his first Legion game last night, we actually had a conversation about the rope trainer and his use of it. And I was telling him, I said, I don't know, you know if, you, if you knew this or not, but we've started a new thing on the show called The Rope Report, and it's brought to you by Dirtbag Baseball Nation and, of course, the, our friends at The Rope Trainer. And Kurt McNabb does a wonderful job uh, of doing exactly what I told him I felt we needed to do. Once the rope, once the rope trainer came on board, um, being, in my opinion, that it was more than just an advertisement, it was something that I felt could make a real difference. And I engage with a lot of you out there, and I appreciate it. I really do. Don't ever feel like you're like, I get a lot of people go, sorry to bother you. Sorry. You're not bothering me. I really enjoy these conversations. Um, I told them, I said, here's something I think you guys need to do. And I offered it to them and they jumped all over it because I think it adds value to my show to you. I said, this is a great product and it has a lot of uses, but I'm not sure people really know what to do with it. So in an effort to educate the listeners, I said, I think you guys should do a little segment like Justin Stone and like Rick and these guys do. And it'll add something to the show. So we've started the Rope Report. Again, it's brought to you by Kurt McNabb and the gang at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And, of course, Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz over at the Rope Trainer. Um, let's hear from Kurt McNabb now with his weekly Rope Report. Uh, I appreciate his um, willingness to do this. I also appreciate – I know he's been following along in my son's journey as if you're just a you know, a dirtbag-type baseball guy. You, you appreciate anybody you know that gets an opportunity to play for, for a title. Um, you know, and if you've been following along, you know, we made it, well, I say we, I didn't do anything. The kids made an unbelievable run at the state title in class 4A, the biggest class in the state of Illinois. Um, they made it to the final four. They won Friday night to make it to the state championship game and then lost uh, a tough game in the, in the state championship. But again, would have been nice to win it, but, uh, and the memories would have been even better, but these kids experienced something that, you know, how many kids would give anything to just to play in the state tournament, much less play in the state title game. So it was an amazing run, and I appreciate Kirk and all his thoughts. But again, let's hear from Kirk now as he gives you a little bit more uh, info on the rope trainer itself. And again, I'm looking forward to this segment becoming a more and more popular one on the show each and every week. So let's hear from Kirk McNabb now, and then I'll see you on the other side. Thanks, Jim. Another great show today, as always. And I'd like to welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Rope Report, brought to you by the Arm Care Specialist, the rope trainer. 
As always, I'm Kirk McNabb, and I want to take a quick second to give a big dirtbag baseball nation shout out to Jim's son and the rest of his high school baseball team on their second place finish at the state championships this past weekend. Great job, boys. And I know from speaking with Jim, it was pretty exciting for all those parents as well. These are lifetime memories. Don't ever forget them, fellas. I also wanted to let all our listeners know that we have changed our name from Dirtbag Sports Nation to Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Our new website should be finished by next week's episode, and we're really excited about this change. We put tremendous thought into what area of baseball we are experts in and what area of focus is in dire need of ongoing education, training, and the proper training tools, such as the rope trainer presently. Through these ongoing conversations and having over 100 plus years of experience in the game of baseball in the area of throwing and or pitching, it was a no-brainer coming up with what Dirtbag Baseball Nation's primary area of focus will be. And that will be educating and training proper throwing and pitching for all ages. We all know that serious arm injuries continue to happen at alarming rates. So I've teamed up with Chris Verna, who's a rotational movement and flexibility specialist with over 29 years of professional experience working with Major League Hall of Famer John Smoltz, countless other professional athletes, professional teams, and Lynn University Baseball, along with the team at the Rope Trainer. We are in the process of putting together a recommended stretching, throwing, and overall training program that will educate and train your whole body, not just the arm, which is a huge mistake and leading cause of why we have arm injuries. All of our regular listeners already know how serious we are about throwing a baseball or softball properly for all players, not just pitchers. For anyone who is a first-time listener to the Rope Report, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are all about helping every baseball and softball player build the best, most sustainable throwing mechanics possible to eliminate those arm injuries so that you can play this game we all love so much in a fun, pain-free way. For this week's video, I've added in a stretching routine with Chris and a team I brought to him from Canada. Please take the time to watch it as I can guarantee that you will find at least one new stretch that you didn't before. Really listen to why Chris recommends these stretches and how they relate to having your entire body ready to be able to throw better. If you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to email me at dirtbagsportsnet at icloud.com. Just like I want you to watch the video of Chris doing the stretching with the team, I also want to let you know how to become a part of the Rope Revolution and Dirtbag Baseball Nation. You can go to www.perfectpitchandthrow.com to get your own rope trainer. Because like Major League Hall of Famer John Smoltz says, the rope trainer will revolutionize the game. It not only works for all players, but it's the best pitching drill trainer ever created. Be sure to enter Dirtbag 5 for your discount at checkout. I encourage you to follow the Rope Trainer on Facebook and Twitter at the Rope Trainer. And for all things Dirtbag Baseball Nation, you can find us on Facebook at Dirtbag Baseball Nation and Instagram at Dirtbag BSB Nation and Twitter at DBag BSB Nation. I'm Kirk McNabb, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode of The Rope Report. And next week, I'll be talking about Earl Perrin, the inventor of the Rope Trainer and how he recommends all pitchers should warm up in the bullpen with the rope trainer before their start. Until then, hit that field and get dirty, all you dirtbags.
Great stuff, my friend. Really appreciate it. And again, uh, I can't say enough about Kirk and his kind words while my boy was making this run and his teammates. And, um, you know, he was checking in all the time, asking how they were doing. Just genuinely happy for the kids. And again, that you can typically tell you're just wonderful baseball people because they enjoy the ride for other people when it doesn't happen for them as well. So again, you can learn a lot about people uh, when they're being selfless. So, uh, you know, make sure you always pay attention to that. Another guy that to me is extremely selfless and dedicates a lot of his time to kids all over the world, basically, uh, trying to learn the game of baseball and be the best player they can be is our friend Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv. Justin is a great sounding board, a great educational person when it comes to the game. He's a student of the game, even though he's one of the best teachers. And I think you're going to find your best teachers are the ones that consider themselves students of the game. Justin is one of those guys, and all the gang at EliteBaseball.tv are tops at what they do. Uh, each and every week, we bring you the, the EliteBaseball.tv tip of the week. So let's hear from Justin Stone now. Justin, take it away. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv. And your tip of the week this week is a story. I know we have a lot of listeners that are coaching teams themselves, or maybe just coaching your son or daughter. And I'm going to tell one of those classic horror stories of youth baseball. One of the most incredible things that I've ever heard at the very lowest level you all have your own stories and horror baseball yourselves. But this one really stood out to me as one of the most incredible things I've ever heard in organized baseball. It starts out with a five and six year old league. This one happens to be in California. The team is coached by one of my former teammates who is also a world player. Matt, both of these team ball coaches for this particular team are former professional baseball players. So think about that. If your son or daughter are beginning their baseball careers and they have professional ex-professional players that are their coaches. That's something that we don't get the opportunity to have very often. So you know they're in pretty good hands. But this league had been having issues because it was supposed to be T for the first two innings of the game, and the final inning, if both coaches agreed, they could do coach pitch. However, what we've been seeing is that the coaches ahead of the game would say, no, we're just going to do coach pitch the entire time because they thought the T was too elementary for these five- and six-year-old players. My friend, again, being an ex-baseball player, talked before the game and said, hey, just so you know, we're going to use the team the first two innings, and we're doing coach pitch the third inning, as the league rules have stated. And the league had been sitting this out over and over again, saying that this is what we want you to do. So what ends up happening is the opposing coach says, T, we haven't used the T the entire year. And rather than getting a philosophical, philosophical discussion on why the T should be used, basically the coach went into a dialogue saying that the T is too elementary for these players. They can all hit off coach pitch. This is what they should be doing. Now think about that for a minute. Now I'm going to take a step aside from this story just for a minute and remind you that I've worked at a lot of different levels of baseball myself. And I've had the luxury of being able to see the best professionals prepare, as well as teaching our youngest players to learn correct fundamentals in the game. And across the spectrum, the T is used. If a big league player starts their routine every day when they get to the park at 2 or 3 o'clock with the T, it's probably good enough for our 5 or 6-year-olds. But for some reason, when we get out of T-ball, we feel like, well, the T is just for those five- and six-year-olds, so once we progress to coach pitch, that the T is really a bad thing, and that's not the case at all. In this particular league, the T was being used to put more balls into play quickly, keep the defense more active, because we know there's so much standing around in youth baseball, let alone T-ball. So after an argument, they decided they were going to use the T for those two innings. 
first team started to come up to bat, they were knocking the tee down over and over again. And now the coach from the sidelines is chirping, saying, we'd already have three batters done if we'd been just going coach pitch because they can put balls in play. Why are we using this silly team? So, my friend, he didn't say much. He just continued to progress through the inning. And finally, a ball gets put in play, and it smacks the second baseman right in the forehead off of a bat hop. Now, mind you, in T-ball, we're supposed to be using safety balls. And these balls are played, you know, the same weight as a baseball. As you know, a lot of times they're softer. So as they go in and they, they treat the player, he was crying, of course. He had a big bump on his head, and they had to take him out of the game. The coach leans over, picks up the ball, and finds it's a league ball. It's a hard ball. So not only did the coach not want to use the tee, but the coach was trying to get an advantage by using a hard ball when they should have been using a tee ball. At this point, my friend, the coach, says, hey, why are we using the league balls for out here? This is a hard ball. You know we're supposed to be using tee ball. And the opposing coach runs onto the field, pokes him in the chest, and says, we can settle this in a parking lot. That's a short version of that part of the story. It went on for a little while longer. So now we have somebody that's too good to pick up and hit off of a tee. We want to use hard balls instead of safety balls when we're in tee ball. And now we're trying to pick fights out of the field. This is the complete antithesis of what youth sports should be. Coaches that are making it about them, coaches that are trying to really progress past the system of what we're trying to do in teaching players to enjoy the game and come back year after year. Not to mention that this coach was probably going to be chosen the coach of their five and six-year-old all-stars. So that's the last piece of it. Like, how in the world are you picking five and six-year-old all-stars in a league? And my buddy joked, well, this is why California has all the first-round draft picks. I said, no, it's not. It's not the reason at all. Right? So I hear this from, you know, we, we do some work over in London. I hear them talk about the soccer progressions over there and how they're filtering kids out at six and seven years old. And I hear it here in the States with hockey and in Canada with hockey. But if baseball is getting to the point where, where I've seen seven-year-old travel teams, which blows my mind, five- and six-year-old all-star teams, what are we really doing here? What are we doing? Are we teaching the game? Or are we bolstering somebody's chest and ego that's a parent that wants to say, my kid is better than yours? Think about that for a minute. What are our reasons for being in the game at the youngest level? We feel like in elite baseball training that T-ball is misstructured all the way around. It doesn't put the kids in the first organized situation of baseball that they've ever been in and puts them in the most boring setting possible. We feel like, let's make it five-on-five home run derby. Let's make it more like a pickup game where kids have to be more active in the field. We can use the team. We're trying to encourage players to hit the ball in the air farther. There's a lot of different ways we can do that. But that's a sidebar for the conversation today. So next time, I know you have stories like this yourself, you think about what are we doing with our youngest athletes and preparing them to have fun in the game, enjoy the game, continue in our game, and hey, get better, realize it has very little to do with you as the parent or coach and everything to do with the psyche, emotional development of the player, and physical Figure you'd like that story. Youth Baseball Podcast is the best place to share that. And until next week, this is Justin Stone. And we'll really good, my man, as always. And again, I appreciate Justin, all the gang at EliteBaseball.tv. Travis Kerber, one of the best pitching guys, throwing guys around. You can bounce anything baseball off these guys, and I can trust you. Trust me when I tell you that you're going to get a good baseball answer with a lot behind it that can help you make an educated choice. Check them out at EliteBaseball.tv. Uh, I mentioned uh, this gentleman earlier on the show. I entrust my son with him. A lot of people trust their kids with him, and they've made a really wise choice. 
Uh, I can think of quite a few. There's a few in the draft this last weekend, and there's a few guys in the big leagues and a few guys in the minor leagues that will sing his praises if they had the opportunity here today. And that's my good friend and yours, Rick Strickland, with the St. Louis Pirates. Uh, as, uh, as his sponsorship with Blast Motion continues, the wonderful tool that he uses for all of his hitters, um, it's a great, uh, great tool to use. And again, if you had the opportunity to ever work with Rick Strickland, I, I, I know that you know what I'm talking about, but if you haven't, make sure you check him out. Just uh, search Rick Strickland Baseball. You're going to find him. You're going to find he's an unbelievable teacher of the game. It's time now for our Ask Rick segment. Let's take it away, Rick. Jim, thanks again for having me on the show. This week's uh, question of the week is an interesting one uh, that we get a lot, or I won't say that we get, that we run into a lot as, uh, as coaches, professional coaches, actually. We'd like to look at the young guys that I have in our dugout coaching as professionals. Um, we look at that. Uh, we run in that situation all the time. You have parents who, who uh, because of the stakes at, at hand with kids playing, it's a little bit different than being on a high school team where in high school you're, you're playing high school ball not to be recruited, but you're helping on your high school team for community reasons. You want to help your team win a state championship and be part of what baseball actually is, which is a sport designed to go out and try to try to win things. Uh, summer baseball is a little bit different because guys are out there being recruited and things like that. And so people have a pay a little bit of more money to do this. They're, they have a little bit more vested interest. They, they look at their, their travel teams as, as uh, vehicles for promotion to college baseball and in some instances professional baseball. So a lot more emotions are tied up into uh, – to travel baseball on a wider scale uh, because of, you know, the, the cost and the, the, the choice of being able to play. So we run into a lot of times, we run into uh, overzealous parents who, who really want to coach their kids and things like that. And you really get a lot more of that at the younger age groups because there has not been a barrier placed amongst the parents and the kids. Like when, when they go into high school, you know, even though high school coaches do get a lot of uh, – kickbacks and, and, and some, some negative feedback and commentary from parents that sit in the stands, they also uh, have a little bit level more level of control uh, in how they deal with kids on that level. And You know, for us, who being a high school-specific program with the St. Louis Pirates, we appreciate that because a lot of times when parents come to us, we've, they've already been trained to uh, stay away from the dugout. Not at the youth levels. I mean, parents like to come in. They like to bring the Gatorades between the dugouts. They like to, to come to the dugout. They like to talk to their kids. Coach dads who played high school baseball like to come up to the dugout and, and coach their kids and things of that nature. It basically becomes a distraction. You know, I think part of this youth whole sports is for kids to learn how to, to respect, learn how to play the game, learn how to take instructions from somebody other than their parents. And, you know, as a, from a player's perspective, you really kind of want that those fences that between you and the parents are there for a reason, probably to keep the parents away. Um, I always tell the parents that if you have an issue with the coaches, uh, things of that nature, there's a, a proper way to go about that. And if it's too uh, big of a barrier that you can't address it, you don't think the coaches are qualified enough to coach your kids, then that can be addressed too at the end of the season by looking for a new team. But one of the things we try to tell our kids, too, if we get too many complaints from your parents, well, we'll just simply remove you from the team. That's kind of how we address it. There's not a whole lot of time to spend on the phone uh, talking and trying to convince parents. Uh, otherwise, we do talk a little bit about because I do think that, that in the travel baseball network, we have to – it's our responsibility to also to educate the parents on how this is going to turn out. 
uh, you educate them as much as you can, but you know, emotions do, in most times, get the better part of the argument. But our thing is, if it becomes too much of a distraction, we just simply remove it, remove the family from the from the organization, and that's basically how how it is. I don't think there's any way you can really reason with parents who are committed to to trying to coach their kids on an individual level. Uh, we've had situations where parents are run to the dugout and trying to coach them, and we just simply just yell at them, get away from the dugout. We'll coach your kid, and if they get upset and get emotional, and want to do that, then fine, we'll find another player. But you know, we look at the baseball field, when we get to the practice field, when we get to the games, those are our domains. The parents are responsible for just watching and, and making sure they transport the kids and being supportive in that that sample. If you ever look at baseball Long Island on, uh, the, on the Internet, they have a complex where the outfield, the outfield fences are where parents sit. They sit the parents as far away from the kids as possible. You know, when we grew up, Jim, we played – you know, most of the games I played as a youth player weren't organized games. They were games that were organized, I wouldn't say organized, but they were organized by the children. The children went out and they organized the games, and that's simply how we learned how to play. The game was passed along to us by elders, but we went out and we learned how to play with, with very little parent instruction. And I'll be honest with you, that's how kids, that's how the best kids will, will proceed because they'll figure out how to play this game and have the passion uh, and to drive to make themselves better without parent intervention or as little parent intervention as possible. So our thing is really kind of strong, keep the parents as far away from, from the dugout and from the field as possible. That's what I have this week. I know it's a rambling bit of message, but uh, I can continue to do that. Make sure you shoot some questions over to me. Check out our new site, trainwithrsb.com. More stuff coming. Our online training program is coming uh, online very, very soon. Uh, I look forward to these questions, Jim. They're great questions, and I uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you again. Good stuff, as always, from my man Rick, as I uh, appreciate his efforts and everything he does, both for my kids and all the kids, especially the ones that I uh, send him each and every year that I find that I think are gonna, would, be, would make good uh, pirate material, if you will. He does a great job, and I've never had any complaints. So uh, I do appreciate him and, uh, and his contributions to the show each and every week. It's the contributions from the, the guys like Kirk, Justin, Rick, uh, all the great guests that I have that have made the show what it is, and I could not do it without them. I'm missing my guy Spiker Helms this week, of course. Um, you know, he's a he's a great sounding board, as I said earlier. I would have loved to have get some of his thoughts, but I am going to follow back up with him because, in the end, um, a guy like Spiker's in charge of a lot of kids and making sure that they get what they need to be the best baseball player they can be. He deals with a lot more parents than I have. And I'd love to get his thoughts on it. So there's probably going to be a follow-up show on this one. As like I said, it's one thing to be the parent sitting on this side of the fence. I always wonder, especially when you get into those high school age days, what a guy like Spiker being a director in a great large program like the Rawlings Tigers. I'm always curious his thoughts on his dealings with parents in those settings because at the end of the day, we know it goes on, right? Like, don't bury your head in the sand. We know it goes on. We know it's probably you. You've done it because I've done it. So if I've done it, you've probably done it, right? I'm more curious how you handle it because I think, again, we do it because we think we're helping. So what's the proper way to handle it? So, again, I think there's a follow-up episode in here somewhere. And, of course, uh, anything that I get the opportunity to talk to Spiker about, I can't wait to do each and every week. That should be coming to you next week here on Youth Baseball Talk. Again, thank you to everybody at lineupmedia.fm, fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. I guarantee if you're into podcasting, you're going to find another show that's worth your entertainment time. You 
Find us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. We really incur- we really appreciate all the follows and all the shares. If you continue to do that, you're going to help our show grow, and it, you know we cannot thank you enough for that. If you hit Facebook, just type in Youth Baseball Talk, like our page, share our stuff. Again, there's no better way for you to show support of this show than doing that. And uh, just one more time, the Rope Trainer. I cannot thank all the guys over there. Chris Verna. Uh, I had him on, just an unbelievable resource for understanding and learning the the ins and outs of how the body works and what we should and shouldn't be doing. Those guys are invaluable when it comes to the game of baseball now, especially with all the health issues that we have. Uh, Earl Perrin, just a great supporter of the show, you know, the mastermind behind the rope trainer. And, of course, uh, if you were going to pick a guy that loved your product enough that he wanted to be involved in it, I think uh, I think you're doing okay if it's John Smoltz. Uh, I say it all the time. Anybody that's willing to take the most important moment in his life and dedicate a small portion of it to addressing what I think is a real problem, and that is a young arm epidemic, I'm going to take a moment and listen. So, again, John Smoltz, what an honor to have him involved. Uh, again, happy to to just provide a little bit of information to all of you out there. I encourage you to uh, get back with me. Anything you're thinking, anything you're seeing, again, you can do that through at Podcast Baseball on Twitter. You can do it through Facebook at Youth Baseball Talk, or you can just email me, info at youthbaseballtalk.com. I love them. Keep them coming. I appreciate it greatly. I try to answer them all. If I did not answer yours and you're hearing this going, well, I sent you something you didn't answer me, send it again. I'm sorry. Sometimes it gets real busy, and I miss them, and they pile up, and you know how that goes. I do apologize. I try to answer them. If I didn't, it was not intentional. It was not that I thought your question was stupid. I just get busy. So I would love to hear from you again if I missed one of yours because I do feel bad when I find one from like a year ago, and I'm like, oh, my God, I never answered this guy. So please make sure you contact me. Happy to come to you from lineupmedia.fm studios. I will see you guys next week. Enjoy the game of baseball, my friends. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.